I'm David Woodsell, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber and BGA, and you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. Lockdown, social distancing, quarantines, and new normal are concepts we barely understood this time last year. But after almost 12 months in lockdown since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, what are the lessons that leaders have taken from the past 12 months and how are they using this insight to move forward? Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Athel Duncan, author of Leaders in Lockdown, and we spoke via Zoom, which again is a concept that few of us were familiar with this time last year. For his book, Athol interviewed 28 leaders from all over the world to gain their perspectives on business in the time of COVID. And I'm keen to understand his inspiration for writing the book and explore some of the key themes which emerged from the interviews. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. I thought it might be useful before we really get into the, the crux of the interview, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your career today. Certainly. Um, well, I, I guess well, I regard myself as a bit of a storyteller um, and an entrepreneur. Uh, my, my professional life has been in three acts, really. Act one, um, I worked at the BBC for many years as a journalist and an executive covering many of the world's biggest stories. Um, Act two, um, I worked in a variety of businesses, um, really trying to transform them as a a change leader. Um, And that was in the utility sector, in the media sector, uh, and in professional services. And then Act Three is really where I've got to now, hopefully not my last act. And that's as a non-executive director and as an executive coach. Um, And I chair a number of different interesting organizations. And I work with um, a whole bunch of uh, interesting executives um, in a variety of roles. And that's really where I get personal satisfaction is, is helping people probably not make the mistakes that I made when I was at uh, the same stage in their career. Fantastic. And we're here today to talk about your book, Leaders in Lockdown. Can you tell me a bit about what inspired you to, to write this book? Well, if I take you back to March 2020, um, when the virus was really starting to take grip in Europe, um, and we were kind of shocked on our television screens, I think, with pictures from uh, Italy of what was happening there. Um, and there was a particular 48-hour period uh, in the middle of March 2020 when each and every business that I was involved in uh, was undergoing some kind of uh, massive shock. So, for instance, I chair leadership development uh, business Black Isle Group and just about all of our clients within the 48-hour period either cancelled or postponed their work. I chair the Scottish salmon industry, which exports £600 million uh, worth of Scottish salmon to the global markets. Well, those global markets um, froze. They came to a halt. Um, I'm an audit chair in a cinema business. Well, the cinema closed and we never knew when the cinema was going to open again. And at that time, um, I was on the board of the British Horse Racing Authority and horse racing was stopped, was ceased Mm -hmm. for probably only the second time since wartime. So every one of these businesses was in um, a considerable uh, cause for concern about what the future of the business was going to be. Um, And I found myself walking on the beach uh, near our house. And that's when I decided to put the storyteller, me from the BBC, with uh, the business person 
um, and to capture what was an incredible moment uh, in our history, an incredible moment in business. And I, I decided to write this book to interview 28 uh, global business leaders across 100 days of the first lockdown and really to ask them uh, how were they coping in the crisis and how do they think the world would change because of what we were all and still are all going through. I mean, I think that's fantastic. It's such a unique time in history and I'm so grateful that somebody's taken the time to to really sort of put this together. Um, and I think it's fascinating and I, I wanted to sort of delve into a little bit of some of the ideas within the book. Now, I think that I've carried out a lot of interviews for the podcast over the past year. And the people that I've spoken to have sort of said to me, you know, wherever they are in the world, whatever they do, the lockdown and the pandemic has changed me. And I think that's fantastic and, and very interesting. And I think it's, it's it's one of the ways we can take some positives out of what's happened over the past year. But I'd be interested to find out from you whether the reactions to COVID-19 from the leaders that you interviewed were quite similar or did they have a lot of differing outlooks? I think across the 28 leaders that I spoke to, there was without doubt a consensus that the way COVID had exposed um, that every single long-held belief that we had in business was now being challenged. Mm -hmm. And not only in business, but there was a consensus across these 28 leaders, different sectors, different geographies, that it had exposed that the way that we were living and the way that we're working before COVID was no longer fit for the future. Mm -hmm. And then I suppose in terms of the logistics and practicalities of it, 28 leaders to interview is no mean feat. I think that's fair to say. How did you pick the leaders that you wanted to reach out to for the book? Well, there was a kind of snowball effect because I started with people within my own network and then they would suggest someone else. And um, I then just really... Um, scattered uh, my emails um, far and wide uh, and got a fascinating bunch of people. But I think what, what was interesting in this was I would not have got access to these people in that shorter time uh, span had these been normal times. All these leaders were hunkered down in their kitchens and yeah. some in their bedrooms. And it was almost like there was a car crash mentality that they wanted to tell people, to share their stories, to tell people what they'd seen, what they were going through. Um, there was an extreme trauma um, about these leaders and they wanted to speak to someone about it. So they gave their time extremely freely um, and they were very unguarded and, and very open um, about their views. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think that's so important at the moment that, that people have sort of learned a new sort of level of authenticity and, and transparency in how they're feeling, because there's a shared sense of understanding that we're all sort of in this together, going through the same thing. So I, I completely appreciate where you're coming from there. I'd also be interested to find out the the sort of key characteristics, the sort of, I suppose, shared experiences that the people you interviewed were demonstrating and talking about in terms of resilience and, and what really made a great leader um, over the past year. Well, uh, it was fascinating how they they approached leading in a crisis. And the big learnings really from that was, number one, uh, they felt that they had to focus very clearly on what would make a, a difference. So how were they using their time? 
uh, they also highlighted that there was a natural disposition for people just to make themselves busy. And yeah. that, that was seen as a, an antidote to the anxiety and the stress of the near-death experiences that their businesses were going through. And they cautioned against busyness and they advocated a focus on usefulness, on doing the right things, focusing on the right things, uh, taking the right decisions that were going to mean the sustainability of their business. There was also fascinating conversations around the type of leader um, that was that was winning in these circumstances. I mean, the chief uh, HR officer of Unilever, Lena Nair, um, was very explicit that she felt that this moment was the end of the Superman leader, and she did mean this, the Superman uh, yeah. leader. And command and control was exposed in these circumstances. And she felt that this was now the start of a new era of a listening, empathetic and caring leader. And the other thing that uh, leading in a crisis, they all had their little sayings or devices that helped them uh, explain clearly and simply what people were to focus on. There was a... George Hong Choi, who is the chief executive of Link Asset Management in Hong Kong, who um, run uh, shopping malls in Hong Kong and offices in Hong Kong and China. He had his three C's. He kept telling people, focus on the three C's. And the three C's were cooperation, communication, and care. And care for your colleagues, care for your customers, care for your for your stakeholders. And then Mark Thompson, who was was then the the chief executive of the New York Times, mm-hmm. um, his his thing was he wanted experienced leaders around him because he felt that um, it was like a captain on a ship. You needed people who'd gone through the storm before. Because the, the, the younger people or the less experienced people um, needed reassurance and they needed reassurance that, that they were going to get through it. Um, and the other thing that Mark Thompson highlighted, um, which I thought was a, a fascinating area for business schools, is the, I don't know whether it's an art uh, or a science, it's certainly a skill, the skill of making decisions with incomplete information. <laughs> because he, he said in this, we were never going to get complete information. I mean, they took 5,000 people out of an office uh, uh, just off Times Square in New York, and they put them in their in their houses um, all around. And could they run a global news operation? Nobody knew. Nobody knew how, how it would work, but it did work. And uh, they, they didn't pause. Interesting as well. Although Mark was a, a diplomat when it came to politicians, um, he did say what was happening uh, with the governments in the US and the UK in February, because the New York Times and many of these other corporates um, that were interviewed in this book, they took action in February. Well, the US and the UK didn't take action until the end of March. There's a lot that I want to pick up from what you've just said. So considering some of the 
I suppose the the themes that we used to talk about in leadership prior to the to the pandemic. So things like the end of command and control, the need for more empathetic, compassionate leadership, the need for more collaboration, the need for more innovation. Now, I think that, as you quite rightly pointed out, that all came to the fore last year as organizations were in crisis and survival mode and needed to sort of push their way through. And and that's a great thing. That's a good thing. But I think at the moment, there's a lot of discussion about the new normal way of life and you know, like a return to orthodoxy, as it were. Now, I feel optimistic that the way that business is done is going to change forever because of COVID-19. So I'd be interested to find out from yourself how you think that leaders that you interviewed and the industries in which they work could be positively impacted in the long term um, after the pandemic. Well, um, I I started off probably... um with my old BBC journalism hat on uh, as being a bit of a, a neutral observer of this, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, a recorder of a moment of history. But as I went through the project, I think I've really become an evangelist um, for change. And that has been inspired by the views of these 28 uh, global leaders. So there's there's no doubt that there's consensus across this group of leaders that this is a moment where we have an opportunity to change the way we do business for the better and to change uh, the way we live our lives, to change society for the better. I put this into seven themes in the book, um, and each theme, uh, we believe, uh, is something that people should focus on um, to reset their strategies and reset society. And the themes, quite simply, theme number one, the new age of purpose. You know, purpose is no longer a line or two to emblazon on a website. This was a moment where purpose was on steroids for many businesses. And the leaders believe that we can't go back on that now. If you don't have purpose at the heart of doing business, then you won't do as well in business. Um, the new world of work has been the thing that has been most talked about. You know, many, many millions of people uh, move from uh, offices to homes and into this virtual world. Um, tackling inequality because COVID will widen uh, inequality in so many different ways. Global cooperation was was theme number four, or really the lack of global cooperation was a theme. So at a moment where uh, we would hope that our politicians would be cooperating across borders. They were turning inwards. But many businesses, many large corporations, whether it was to find a vaccine or whether it was to track and trace, uh, you saw many of our uh, large corporations were the more effective uh, cooperators across global boundaries. Resilience, which you've already mentioned, and resilience at every level, operational and personal. There was a lot of talk uh, in this group of leaders about resetting the supply chain. And that's not just because we had to get PPE from China and uh, or Turkey and uh, we had to get whiskey companies to make sanitizer. Uh, the pandemic really exposed weaknesses in the supply chain, which have developed over, over decades uh, and decisions that have been made over decades uh, on efficiency and cost and the global supply chain ground to a halt. And then the last theme, theme number seven, was all around about maximizing potential. And this focus that there was on what kind of leaders did, did we need, um, and this focus on 
um, the physical and mental health um, of leaders in such a stressful situation and a reconsideration of how we develop our leaders um, and how we make ourselves most effective when under stress. So th those, were, those were the seven themes. And I think the leaders are, are telling us that um, there needs to be transformational change uh, in all seven of them. So I'm going to sound like a super fan here because I love the seven themes and I think that they are so important for, you know, I think that they're so important for, for moving forward into, you know, for want of a better phrase, the new normal. But I think they are, they were necessary 10, 20 years ago. And I think it's been wonderful that we almost had the perfect storm to really bring these to the fore so as people can see in reality how important they are. In saying that, I think that it's it's also fair to say that these are all challenges that, that business leaders have traditionally struggled with. And if we are going to move forward into a new sort of era of, of more positive and purpose-led leadership, um, addressing these, these seven themes, is it fair to say that business education needs to change in that business schools and MBAs represent leadership models of today and tomorrow and the leaders of today and tomorrow? And there needs to be a change in the way that leadership is taught at business schools in the future in reaction to the pandemic? I think every walk of life uh, needs to um, reconsider itself in the light of um, what has happened. I think business schools need to change. Uh, you know, I said I chair a leadership development business uh, Black Isle Group. Uh, we need to fundamentally uh, rethink um, how we develop uh, executive teams and develop leaders as well. It's all it's all part of the same thing. We're kind of proving here that um, a, a lot of the uh, the thinking around about leadership, the behaviour around about leadership, um, needs to be transformed. Absolutely needs to be transformed. And I suppose putting it into your own perspective, you're obviously a, a very prolific leader yourself. How has the experience of writing this book and, and speaking to an incredibly inspiring group of people changed how you want to lead and manage in the future? Ah, that's a very good question. <laughs> we try. Good question. Well, I think uh, in, my, in my own leadership, um, it, it's confirming a journey that uh, I've been on from, from the BBC to, to where I am now as the, as the chair of various businesses. And, you know, you, you realise um, when you're the chair of a business that you don't actually have an awful lot of power. You know, you only you, the main power that you have is the power to influence, to influence other people to lead in a different way or to take um, specific uh, actions. Um, and that all comes down to back to empathetic leadership, emotional intelligence, influencing, uh, listening, listening. Again, you know, a number of the particularly the HR people that we talked to um, just said, um, I want to just tell my leaders in, in this business, listen, listen, listen. Um, and, of course, the, 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 the obvious thing is that um, it's the inner game uh, which is the key um, to leadership. Um, I think all these things um, are, are highlighted by what we've been through. Um, so, yeah, uh, personally, um, the inner, it focuses me on the inner game and on the influencing nature of leadership um, and stop telling people what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's really important. And last question. Um, obviously, today I'm speaking to you from Lockdown London. I think we're in our third lockdown here in the UK. I'd be interested to know for you, 
as we continue on in lockdown, if you've got a new project, are you thinking about book number two or what's next in the agenda for yourself? Well, it's, it's funny because uh, we, we have been thinking about uh, a new book. Um, we're talking to a number of uh, partners um, and we've, we're thinking of taking a, another set of leaders. We haven't uh, quite decided um, which set of leaders um, and getting their insights because I genuinely believe that some of this stuff is gold dust um, and the gold dust is that you bring the real life stories of leadership um, and the insights of leaders because we're, we're all trying to work out what's our place uh, in this new world. You know, we've been rocked to our foundations uh, in so many ways um, and listening to other business leaders, getting their insights getting their gold dust, um, I think, is hugely valuable for how we reset ourselves as leaders and how we reset um, the strategies of the businesses that we're, that we're in. But, uh, you know, I am evangelical about this. Uh, we owe it. Every person who listens to this podcast owes it to the millions of people who've been affected and died from covid that we owe it not to them, not to let this opportunity pass. We have to create transformational change around about the way we do business, around about the climate, around about the other existential threats um, that there are to our society. And uh, the I liked um, the quote, which I will misquote, from the European boss of Zurich Insurance Group, um, who said something like, um, why can't we build the world that we want our children to live in rather than the one we were all destroying less than a year ago? Wise words. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak to me today. I found the conversation so valuable. And thank you also for taking the time to, to write this book, to carry out those interviews and really take a snapshot of such an important time that, that's never happened before. And let's hope will never happen again, but also at time we'll be able to take lots of learnings and, and, and practical advice and, and a lot of inspiration to move forward. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, Athol, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today for the podcast. As I mentioned at the start of the interview, um, Athol's book, Leaders in Lockdown, is available from all good booksellers.